Welcome to Bunta Vista. I think it's episode... 106. Who could really be sure? Is there any way to tell? There's no way to check. Is there any way to tell? There's no way to tell. Uh, once you've recorded it and put it out into the world, then that's where you are. You know? No way to go backwards from there. I'm Andrew. And I'm here in our great big multi-story podcaster's house, uh, where we all have to live together because mm. of the podcast economy. And um, Murray Kondo is here, and she's making us throw out all of our stuff. Uh, she's over there in the corner with Ben right now, forcing him to go through all of his VHS one by one and asking him questions like, does this fourth copy of Beastmaster bring you joy? You know, you say that. I was yeah. literally looking at buying a second copy of Beastmaster <laughs> the other day because it's much nicer than the one that I have. Would, would you keep the one you already have? Or? Oh, yeah. Well, the one I've got's already quite good. But I wanted to get one that was substantially quite good, um, and I would absolutely keep both. I made the very adult decision yesterday to put two of my copies of Big Trouble in Little China away, so now I only have three of them on the shelf. Only three on display. That's very mature of you. Yeah, I've got very. my nice one from the 80s, my backup nice one from the 80s, and then I have my Japanese one. Oh, nice. For guests. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lucy is next in line. Um, she has a cardboard box full of all of her, her journals from high school. Oh. Which she's drawn uh, the AFI logo. Oh, boy. That is distressingly accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like it. Uh, you're going to get asked about whether they bring you joy. Um, certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> cradling them. Um, and then, of course, over in the corner just shaking fearfully in anticipation of having to explain why he needs so many different kinds of calculators. It's Theo. Hi, Theo. Hey, I have one kind of calculator. It's the TI-84. Um, <laughs> so, it's TI-84+. Plus. And I bought that because it was the only cal- calculator I was familiar with from high school. Um, I got that for like $40 from Gumtree. And one day I left it at home just before an exam. Like, this is, like, two weeks ago. Um, So, I went into the shop to try and find um, one of these, what is now, like, a 15-year-old calculator. Oh, and they're $100,000. They are $260 if you would like to buy a TI-84 Plus from the QUT store. So, I think what you have to understand is that we've actually lost the ability to make... Uh, calculators. We it was very cheap and it was very easy to do uh, back yep. when people who were still alive knew the secrets of making them uh, in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now uh, we have no idea. Uh, we're, we're essentially just reselling the existing ones, uh, which is why uh, the prices continue to go up. Oh, that makes so much more sense. I'm going to hold on to mine like a beanie baby. <laughs> They're exactly <laughs> like that. Just it. as valuable. <laughs> It's a lost technology. No one these days knows any of the secrets like how many buttons to put on the face of the calculator. How many numbers should be on it? What is the... the, How do you make a plus sign? You know, we don't have that sort of technology anymore. We can only do a minus, but we have no idea how to combine multiple (laughs) minuses to make a plus. We just can't do it. Turn it which way? Oh, dear folks. I'll tell you what. Um... What's not bringing me any joy at the moment? It's it's the Australian Labor Party. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you're, that's, <laughs> yeah. that is exactly oh. the correct noise. Oh. 
that anyone should be making right now when they talk about the Australian Labor Party. Now, I feel like I, I want to preface this episode. Here's a disclaimer. It's a great big disclaimer on the front of this episode. I think a lot of people who are Labor supporters get very stuck into this mode of like, ah, oh, here you are criticizing Labor when you should be criticizing the government. You should be criticizing the coalition, who we all know are dog shit and have terrible ideologies and they don't even believe in their own ideologies. They're just doing the worst version of that. You should be criticizing them as though, like, number one, as though there is a limited supply of criticism to go around. Mm -hmm. I didn't know we were rationing criticism now. Big criticism famine. But, uh, but yeah, just this idea that, like, we, we should be asking the Liberal Party to do the things that, that we want them to do, as though there is any possibility. <laughs> oh, I never thought possibility. we could just ask them. Well, like, it, everything, everything that the Liberal Party does is, is done in, like, naked contempt of, of anybody who is poorer than them, you know, anyone who doesn't own property, anybody who is on welfare, anybody who is sick, anybody who is disabled. There is just, just open, naked, constant contempt for them in every policy that they take, every election, and every policy that they try and pass um, without having got any kind of support for it at an election. Mm-hmm. So, let's, let's just... Let's just open right out of the gate with, of course, a great big fuck you to the Liberal Party. But it's almost like we wouldn't have to worry about what the Liberal Party were doing um, if a centre-left or left-wing party in this country were capable of winning any elections. And that's where new Labour leader Anthony Albanese comes in. So, recent election... Bill Shorten, uh, charismatic, sexual dynamo Bill Shorten... Oh, please don't call him charismatic. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, I mean... Sure, he can fuck, but he just can't (laughs) inspire any sort of leadership. Mm -hmm. What he needed to do was, like, fuck um, on a stage or a live feed or something so people could finally see that side of him, you know? (laughs) But instead, instead we all just heard the rumours of how much of a... how much of an exciting jackhammer he was in the sack... Uh, Rumours swirling, but then you'd see him on stage uh, staring directly down the gun of the teleprompter, uh, robotically reciting, uh, (laughs) wearing his his shirt. What was his shirt? Chloe Shorten's husband? Was that his shirt? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Should have had a shirt that said, I'd vote for my wife if I could. (laughs) Anyway, we all remember charismatic Bill Shorten. And all of his memorable catchphrases, like, you know the one, Theo, what was it? Yeah, um, hey, hey, we're the guys. <laughs> hey, we hey! can't vote, um, and then all the rest, so, basically... Well, all the classics. That was one of them. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was one of them. Like, yep, like, um, my wife is free to vote for whoever she likes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even mad <laughs> yep. when she showed me a photo of a ballot slip. Uh, when when my wife goes down to that polling place with her boyfriend on election day, they can both vote for whoever they want to. You know, when my wife and her yoga instructor get back from their three week hot rocks retreat, <laughs> I think that's sweet. 
<laughs> as long as she's happy. As long as she's happy. <sighs> so, Bill Shorten ran his um, very unsuccessful election campaign, which uh, I believe we were all quite sad about, not because we had any particular love for Bill Shorten, um, but because I think that the, the rolling series of liberal governments in Australia are, are just some of the most dismally ill-equipped and uninspiring ones to ever occupy the political landscape. And he had to be replaced as leader because he, um, as is a tradition in Australia, as he conceded um, on election night, he had to uh, take down his pants and then shuffle across the stage to the podium. Mm-hmm. The traditional dacking of the failed opposition leader. Mm. And he had to say, uh, and he had to say to, to the nation, Sadly, I've not been successful, and now me and my wife and my wife's boyfriend all have to get into the Tarago and go back to our place and reflect on this. God bless Australia. <laughs> Greatest democracy on earth, baby. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, so you know, that, that threw open the doors to the, to the leadership, and there was a strange kind of period there where everybody said, I'm thinking about running for leader, but I won't because... Anthony Albanese is going to be the leader. It was this really strange process of all of these people like doing public discussions of how they were going to run and then publicly announcing that they weren't. Because people were putting their hat in the ring and then tugging on the tidy string that they'd tied to the hat to remove it from the ring immediately again. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. So the inevitable leader came out and that was Anthony. I fight Tories Albanese. That's right. He actually sells shirts with a little, like, fighting shamrock dude on them that say, I fight Tories. Is he real? real? That is real. That is real. Um... It's not good. So that's that's his that's what he's known what he's known as is like the the rough and tumble student politician who's always been super left wing and has always been about fighting Tories. And um so he's he's chosen to to prove this to the people by coming in swinging hard. You'd think to yourself, um, hey, hey. We've been th- thoroughly defeated at this election with our extremely milquetoast, watery bullshit where we don't actually have any real policies beyond, like, what, the franking credit stuff? Is that about it? I guess. Um, Struggling to think of another one. Uh, Remembering those policies, everyone, those memorable policies. All those policies. Oh, how about that policy where, um, where they committed to reviewing raising the new start allowance which has not been raised in 25 years remember when after endless pressure they finally said we'll consider looking at it they did say they would consider looking at it you gotta hand it to them look guys we'll think about it we'll think about it think about all those extremely memorable policies uh but you know you'd, you'd think that he'd come out being like hey we got to be strong. We got to be decisive. We got to differentiate ourselves. So, um, so here's what he came out with during the campaign to become Labour leader. Uh, in this article entitled "Conflict Fatigue: Albanese Rises with a Message for the Suburbs," 
Anthony Albanese has called on Labor to reconnect with aspirational Australians who rejected the party at the federal election, declaring that voters have, quote, conflict fatigue over political arguments that pit one part of the community against the other. You already know it's bad when he says aspirational. When you're about to talk about aspirational people, it's going to be a bad time. What's the, um, what would you say, because this is a very, a very common, um, I guess, Australian political trope, Lucy, how, Mm. when, when somebody says aspirational voter in Australia, what is the type of person that this conjures to you? I think it basically is the kind of person that thinks that anyone who works hard will get ahead in life. It's a temporarily embarrassed millionaire. Yes. Ah, yes. It's quite similar, I'd say. I think um I think this is something we've talked about before as far as like the 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 characteristics of the the Australian voting base and and Australia in general like I think we've we've all sort of said before that that Australia has this weird thing where generally people are pretty well off um we're we're right up there in the top you know 1 or 2% of the world in terms of like living conditions across the country that doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of people um, you know, doing it tough, who could do a lot of help. In fact, that's that's more of an argument as to why it's, like, embarrassing that we would be cutting back things like welfare mm. um, and, and funding for health and education and that sort of thing. Um, very similar to how in the States there's this whole thing of, ah, we are the, the richest country on earth and also we have, you know, one of the world's largest prison populations and homeless populations. Shit like that. <coughs> Pardon me. But, uh, but yeah, I think Australia, generally, there is this whole thing of like, oh, we're all way worse off. We all think we're way worse off than we are. Yeah. Um, like the, the way that the media portrays it, it's like if you don't own multiple properties, um, then you must be really struggling. Yeah, but in, in reality, that's probably a significant portion of people are in the bottom 50% in terms of yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah, so so I think often this the the aspirational voter is the person who's already got a lot, wants way more, and doesn't want anyone to make them feel bad about it. And definitely owns more than one property. <clears throat> and these are the people that we can't piss off. They're aspirational. They just want a fair go for their kids or something. I just want a fair go for my um, three kids that I take uh, to their private Catholic school every morning. In my giant Mercedes four-wheel drive. Struggling to make ends meet after the mortgage payment on my million-dollar house. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Albanese said the party needed to end some of the us-and-them rhetoric that shaped its failed election campaign. Quote, People are looking for solutions rather than arguments, and they're looking for what unites the community rather than what divides it, he said. Hey, hey, yuck, someone got an argument in my politics. Oh. I don't want arguing. We don't have to argue about Who things. Who put this in here? <laughs> uh, yeah, backstroke, I believe, Theo. Is that, does that scan? It does, it Wait, does to me, no, but I'm um, not happy about can it. You, we'll, we'll edit all this out. Um, can yeah, you yeah. say, uh, waiter, what's this argument doing in my uh, soup? Yep. Wait, no. No, we'll edit this out. Let's workshop yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I but, can't uh, say that right now, but... 
I oh, can, you can say it. I May can commit to thinking about saying it. <laughs> cool. We'll, we'll do a we'll we'll commit to doing a review of this joke format. Hmm. Hey, um, what Backstroke. we're talking aspirational. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I thought maybe could could we all just go around the room and say our our favorite thing. Um, that we can just think of off the top of our head about Deputy Labor Leader Richard Miles. Just, just your favourite thing. Just whatever, <laughs> just whatever comes to mind. Uh, ben. Um, uh, well, you know, it's it's obviously this is a question of many dimensions, and I'm definitely not mm-hmm. stalling for time, so I could use my left hand to Google Richard Miles. Yeah. So if you close your eyes and maybe just picture his face, the, Deputy having that the image there might prompt. You know, Rich. Dick. I thought Chalmers got the deputy leadership. Uh, what a fool I have been. Dickie Miles. Oh, Dickie Miles. Dickie, Dickie Miles. Oh, big Dick Miles. The Marlborough man, we call him. Milesy. Um You know, I love his... Uh, oh, you know, he's, he's just got, got like such a... a uh, about him, you know? <laughs> he's, 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 he's like distinctive. It's just... He, and, and that's what I think we like about him. Oh, yep. absolutely. Mm. You know, if you put him in a lineup, you immediately you're like, well, there's, well, you know. That's rich. Yeah. That's rich. Oh. Mm. Rich that's, Oh, Richard. You cannot <laughs> deny. Hey, when it comes down to it, I got two words for you, baby. Richard Miles? <laughs> <laughs> Richard check notes, oh. Miles. <laughs> My he goodness. kind of looks like uh, a little bit like oh. Warney if his life hadn't gone wrong. I don't even Oof. know what he looks like. Warney's looking rough the, on Instagram. The picture that Wikipedia has pulled up for him. Um, or, no, that's his Twitter pic. He, he's kind of got... Yeah, I don't know. You you guys look into this. Tell me what you think. But he looks a little bit like healthy Warney. Because Warney does not look like healthy Warney, right? Oh, God, no. no Warney sir. looks like he's been on a like a two-month ice binge. Like he's been abusing horse tranquilizers since 1998, uh, which I Something believe like is the case. Yeah, I've seen this guy before. I have no idea why. Maybe I've just well, that, seen him on the street. <clears throat> that's my favorite thing about Richard Miles is that I am actually able to conjure a mental image of his face. And that's it. Can't remember anything else about it. Um, I think he was like opposition defense spokesman at some point. That's about all I've got. Okie dokie. So, um, so yeah, Anthony Albanese has come out of the gate strong with the very compelling argument that, um, that people are sick of having someone stand up for them. People are sick and tired of demanding uh, anything different from the status quo. Tired of these arguments in politics, you know? It's the last thing I want in politics is an argument. Hmm. Why can't everyone just get along? Why can't yeah. everyone just get along, you know? Uh, and, and I suppose as well, there is no better time than to, say, uh, make, a, make a stirring call for bipartisanship than when you are stuck in the wilderness of opposition, having proven yourself completely unable to win a federal election campaign um, and basically have nothing to sell anyone. That is a great time to say, hey, we should come to an agreement on everything and you should stop holding my arm by the wrist and pushing it into my face and saying, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. So I'm glad that we have a brave new leader um, who's willing to do that. <clears throat> uh, Albanese goes on to say, um, we have to emphasize that. 
that people are looking for solutions rather than arguments. That doesn't mean that we shy away from the issue of inequality. It means, though, that we need to do that in a way that acknowledges the fact that the business community and the private sector create jobs for people. Mm. If there's one thing that we know about Australia, it's that the business community definitely doesn't get enough constant tax cuts um, and bailing out of everything. Just constant coddling. All the time. You don't like paying penalty rates. <laughs> okay, you don't have to pay penalty rates anymore. It's okay. Yeah, you're going to hire more people employ now, more aren't people. you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't well, it's a lot of work. <laughs> you don't have to pay penalty rates on the $10 an hour cash in hand that you weren't declaring to, to the ATO mm-hmm. anyway. That's fine. Uh, shattered. By the election loss to Prime Minister Scott Morrison, senior Labor figures have thrown open a debate on every major policy, including a rethink on franking credits, negative gearing, and whether to propose a market mechanism to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So, if I'm reading that correctly, they're uh, open to a complete rethink on the only minor points of differentiation that there were between themselves and the Liberal Party. Is that correct? Sounds about right. I think when you've gone into, you know an election and just being stomped uh, and everyone sort of said, well, I can't tell the parties apart. What you really want to do is... um, Nothing. uh, Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I'll get back to you on that one. I think what Mm. they're doing, maybe. That's probably probably it. Labor's environment spokesman, Tony Burke, said that the science had been compromised by the mechanism. And it was now time to reconsider a, now time to consider a direct action model as advocated by the coalition to avoid a quote unthinkable fifteen years without action. Boy. Uh, so, uh, just another example of them running down their list of policies and saying, "What if we changed our policy to just agreeing with the Liberal Party's policy?" Mm-hmm. Um, this this of course leads me into a separate article here from the Guardian. New Labour leader Anthony Albanese calls for end to climate wars. Oh, well, in that case, Anthony Albanese has called for an end to the climate wars, saying he wants to work with Scott Morrison on an emissions reduction plan that benefits both the environment and the economy. I wonder if that'll look a lot like, say, exactly Mm. what the Liberal Party's doing right now, which um, which is like not making business curb emissions in any fashion at all and then just lying and saying that emissions are going down well, that's a good, good policy yeah what they're going to do is knock on every the door of every you know top 100 country um, company in australia and say hey do you guys feel like reducing emissions today and they say mm, no mm. thank you i've already had lunch and so okay well we'll, we'll come back maybe uh, next in four time. years yeah. yeah think about it Think about it, I say as the door is slammed in my face. (laughs) (laughs) Flagging his desire to see bipartisanship on the vexed issues of constitutional recognition for Indigenous Australians and climate policy, Albanese said he was prepared to work with the coalition to develop a consensus position on a national emissions reduction plan. Let me say this unequivocally. The science is in. Climate change is real. We must act, Albanese said. Action will create jobs and benefit our economy and our environment. The time for ongoing conflict over these issues surely is over, he says. 
Uh. I'm sure we're going to get to this, right? But the concept of both creating jobs and reducing greenhouse gas emissions suggests some sort of gigantic, I would say, you know, $100 billion plan in the wings to, uh, you know, produce programs that are going to build large swathes of of wind energy or solar energy or what have you. But um, what we're doing instead is voting for tax cuts for $100 plus billion. So, like, um, we'll get into that part as well. But, like, you can't just say, well, we need to work together to create jobs and reduce greenhouse gas, gas emissions without having, without putting government money into it, right? Because yeah. otherwise, there's no market mechanism to to do to do anything, right? Like you have no lever to pull for businesses to go and and do that unless you are either making it punitive for them to put out greenhouse gas emissions, which is what happened with the Labor government, um, which which worked uh, mm-hmm. under the Rudd Gillard government. You know, we we saw a carbon tax go in. We saw Australia's carbon emissions drop dramatically. It was then you know, revoked and our carbon emissions went up. So if you're not going to be punitive against greenhouse gas emissions, you have to give money to businesses for them to invest in it. And assuming that everything goes right, you know, you still need shitloads of money to go into that. But that's not what he's talking about here. That's the tax cut money. We need that that's, money for that's tax That's the tax cuts. cut. Exactly. We need that for all of the things that we said before. The The... 14th story on my house there's um yeah uh, and uh, and i think like we can say very very clearly the the only way that business is going to get on board with this is like you said if you make it less profitable for them to do what they're currently doing than to do what needs to be done instead and that is not the case currently they're not doing that until it becomes you know, like more affordable for them to say, oh, we will use this other type of energy or, oh, we will stop up doing our manufacturing in this type of a way. They will absolutely continue to do it. Yeah. And I mean, there's like a third lever that we're not talking about here as well, which is to say that the government gets involved in the production of clean energy. Yes. Um, or, I mean, I mean, like the like the proposed Green New Deal in the States, like to say we are going to have a gigantic program of work to do things like... Um, to do things like make existing housing more sustainable to go and to go and like install you know insulation and and improve improve like you know heating that's in people's houses and all sorts of stuff so that they are actually all more energy efficient but again there is absolutely no incentive for any business to do that it needs to be the government saying we're going to invest money in doing this thing almost as though that is actually the role of government to do things which no. benefit a society no. at large of course but not. are not actually profitable to a business but again like the, the the liberal government could not have made clear that they have absolutely no interest in doing any of these things and not only that but they will fight tooth and nail against them um much like as you said the the previous um, emissions trading scheme of uh, the the previous carbon price where where basically the in- entire lead up to it happening and every moment of every day once it was in action was consumed by the Liberal Party, the Liberal National Party saying 
you are being destroyed by this government taking all of your money for the mythical environment fairies. And they didn't stop. They didn't stop for even a second until they got that repealed. And when they did get it repealed, did they sit back and say, ah, no more environment stuff for us. We're all good now. Or do they say, well, let's keep trying to push this further. Let's try and push this further and fucking open up the Galilee Basin and approve the, uh, the Adani Carmichael mine or... There, yeah, there is, there is no point which is too much for these guys. So the idea that he's going to be able to compromise with them and find a solution that is, you know, that is, like, amenable to both sides is fucking absurd. Absolutely ridiculous. But, to quote Anthony Albanese, the time for ongoing conflict surely is over. You know how the Liberal Party hates conflict with the Labour Party Mm. and it's not at all good for them and nets them votes or anything like that. As Theo just alluded to, this of course leads us to um, the the Labour Party also saying, oh, well, the Liberal Party are proposing massive tax cuts and absolutely shredding uh, the Australian economy's base of funding for, for all of the all the social programs that we actually need that money for. But, um, but hey, no one likes to see a, a messy argument in the public sphere. Just want world peace. Just want world peace and tax cuts, baby. It's just mm. like, hey, you know, why can't we all just, like, get along with each other, you know? Yeah. Like, if you friends. see a stranger, smile at them, you know? If you yeah. see a stranger yeah. in public, just, like, go up to them and smile at them and put a hand on their shoulder, maybe a yeah. hand on their knee. You know, we're yeah, all just friends. You, yeah. yeah. If you see someone in, in their car just sitting alone. Um, say hello. Say hello. Maybe just go up and <laughs> knock on the window. See how they're doing. <laughs> Maybe knock just like, gently rap on the window and start kicking the door and screaming, it's okay. You can pass whatever legislation you want. You can do it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Fucking just no laws. No laws. No tax. No taxes. No taxes. <laughs> <laughs> no taxes, folks. So, um, so yeah, this leads us into the tax bill that, um, that the Liberal Party immediately started trying to ram through as soon as the election was over. So, um, so Ben, would you like to explain to us this bill? Oh, boy. I would absolutely love to, because nothing thrills me more than uh, listing off percentages and brackets. So, the tax bill... Oh, you're a fan too. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> Uh, this is the name of the bill that was uh, proposed by the government as part of a major election uh, promise. Here we go. Now, bear with me, because you might think it ends at one point, but then it keeps going. Treasury Laws Amendment 2019. Open bracket. Tax relief so working Australians keep more of their money. End bracket. (laughs) Now... You, we touched on this with the phrase aspirational. Aspirational, <laughs> I think, is a slightly softer version of working Australians, which is like the ultimate appeal to the Australian voter, because as we have discussed countless times on this podcast, every single Australian is a super cop, and they believe that every other Australian uh, is uh, the character from uh, Wog Boy, <laughs> who is a professional doll bludger, uh, and they don't work 
but they're getting handed all this cash hand over fist. They are living it high on the hog. It's while our cash too. It's our cash. They're that taking they're your money. Uh, they're taking while your money from hard-working, battling, working Australians who actually get up in the morning and actually do the work of going to the dick-sucking factory <laughs> and doing whatever it is that we do there. I can't tell you it's a proprietary secret. Uh, but So, this is what this is appealing to, whereas in reality, it's basically everyone, right? Uh, the bill is a, it's a two-parter. So, the first part is uh, good news for anyone that Pay, uh, earned an F income over the 2018 to 2019 financial year that you're over the the tax-free threshold. Uh, they're increasing the low and middle income tax offsets that basically mean that uh, people earning under $37,000, you'll just get 255 bucks back on your cash. Straight up. Uh, if you earn between 37 and 48,000, you'll get somewhere between 255 and 1080. If you're earning over 48,000, you get a uh, thousand eighty bucks, and if you're earning between ninety thousand and one hundred twenty-six thousand, stop listening to this podcast. Go fuck yourself. Uh, so that part, the Labor Party was all uh, good, unless you want to donate half of that money to the podcast, in which case, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, we no. love you. you work We're, so hard. You know, and I love that you're aspirational, and you're a working Australian. Please give us your cash. I need to spend it on. Um, well, yeah, you know things. what else has brackets? Our Patreon. You can give us up to $20 per month. You can give for, us more than $20 a month. Yeah, let's not advertise those options. <laughs> but those are, those are off-menu options. <laughs> <laughs> Show up to the podcast and be like, oh, could I get the uh, Andrew special, please? Wink. And that's just when Andrew comes around to your house Wink. and he takes his shoes off and he paddles his horrible feet around in, in your toilet. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the sixty five dollar a month option. The the eighty five dollar a month option is the same thing, but I put them in the toilet first, and then I put them in your kitchen sink. <laughs> Continue, sorry, Ben. Sorry <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> anyway, so Labor was fine with that part. Um, they said, "Wahoo! We've got to stimulate this economy, and we're going to do it uh, not not as quite efficiently as uh, Kevin Rudd did by just saying, hey." You there, Sonny Jim, would you like a cool grand? Well, you're getting 900 bucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what if I rounded that down for you? Mm. Would you like something close to $1,000? Yeah. You get $900 and I'll call you a slur in Cantonese. That's right. I long for the days of a prime minister who called um, Chinese people rat fuckers. <laughs> oh, dear. Um... So, yeah, that part Labor is fine with. Uh, the second part of the tax bill is some uh, progressive, uh, ironically enough, some progressive changes to removing a progressive tax system. So, the first part uh, is to increase the threshold for the uh, 32.5% uh, tax bracket to make it higher, so you don't start don't start paying it that rate until it hits forty five thousand dollars a year. Then, uh, so that's that's coming in for this financial year. But then after that is when shit gets crazy. So the plan is by the two thousand twenty four to two thousand twenty five financial year, there will only be one middle tax bracket, 
So we're getting rid of the 32.5% and the other one, the 37% uh, tax bracket, and replacing it with just a flat 30% tax rate for any income between $45,000 and $200,000. This also pushes up what the 45% tax bracket is, which previously started at 180000 up to 200000 Theo, do you know off the top of your head just about how much money a uh, federal member of parliament earns? Hmm. Hmm. It's interesting. I don't have those figures with me right now, Ben, but I feel like you might have a... Well, I'd love to tell you, actually. Hmm. Um, So, up until quite recently, uh, quite recently being July 1st, which incidentally was also uh, when... The penalty cuts were put in place, penalty rate cuts were put in place, and at the same time was also when we massively reduced the threshold for paying back your hex debt. Uh, that is when our MPs also got a pay increase going up from $200,000 a year base salary to $207,000. Hmm. But that's, uh, this will just be great news for them because now they're paying that 45% rate on only a very, very marginal part of their tax. Huh. That's good news How lovely is that? It's a weird coincidence. Yeah, very strange. So, that's that's the bill, basically. It's expected to cost uh, the country something like $135 billion, I believe. Or is it 235 Fuck, I well, should have Well, it's great news, because a lot of that money is going to come from the fact that they've reduced the hex repayment threshold by almost $10,000. It is uh, galling. It is a substantial amount that they have dropped it by. Why didn't Labor go around being like, this is a student tax? If you can call fucking rethinking franking credits a retiree tax, you can call this a goddamn student tax. Yeah, it's huge. Well, we can't all be 40, forty-two or $43,000 now. Yeah, you it's just over 40000 mm. Well, it's pretty there's shit, plenty of money it- going to come from some of our poorest people, so that's good news. It was like $57,000 not two years ago. Yeah, they reduced it by a pretty substantial amount to 52. And now here we are. But hey, at least we're not America. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Yeah, American listeners. And this is the the larger ongoing issue here is that with this government um, and the ones before it, that the entire thing becomes a matter of, oh, we'll just, we'll just like um, keep cutting the funding to all these government services or at least demanding that none of them spend any more funding than they are currently spending. Um, and they do a lot of that through saying like they, they, set, um, they set staffing level caps on departments and say you're not allowed to hire any new people unless um, somebody quits or retires or anything like that. Um, and in a lot of cases, they, they set them these targets and say, you have to reduce your workforce by this much over this period of time. Uh, except the problem is that when you're talking about things like, when you're talking about agencies like Centrelink and um, the N- NDIA and which, <laughs> like that and human, that and the Department of Human Services are all now getting combined into one uh, great big, hyper department um, which much like the border force thing what can possibly go wrong when you combine a whole bunch of services to a myriad types of people and say ah now you can service all of these people simultaneously for less money somehow 
Um, I sure can't think offhand of a whole bunch of examples in very recent Australian history where this has gone incredibly wrong. But, so they have this thing of, well, we'll just continue only spending the same amount or gradually reducing the amount of money that we are spending on these particular types of service in order to save money. The only problem being that the population continues to grow the whole time and people Mm. continue to age. Uh, people continue to have more babies, you know, all this kind of shit. So the idea that you can just continually keep pulling money out of this stuff and not have all of these services either substantially oh, suffer or just no, stop I, I working altogether. You've actually, I think you've completely misunderstood this. And I hate oh, to oh. show you off like this on the podcast, but no, it's when you take all the money away from a public service is how you prove that it doesn't work. Um, Uh So, you massively underfund them, and when they're unable to meet the basic demand of the job they have to do, uh, you actually just, you've found out that the public service itself is bad, and you can just get rid of it. This is much like uh, our our British sister podcast, Trash Future. They frequently talk about the the Tory efforts to privatise, like, small parts of the NHS over there. And so they privatize those, which means that, of course, um, you know, some company signs a contract and says, we get this much of your funding to spend on providing this service as part of the NHS, and they want to keep as much of that money as possible, so they cut as many corners as possible, so the thing doesn't really work properly, and then the Tories who, who privatize that part of it say, see, the public service, the NHS, does not work. We should privatize more of it to efficient corporations. And, yeah, that's, that seems to essentially be what's happening here a lot of the time. And it sucks. It fucking sucks. Well, so, this did but, suck, right? So, this is a horrible... why this- did they do it? What was their super strategic reason for voting in favour of this? Well, I mean, let's not mischaracterise what they've done. Um, so, they certainly, they tried to fight it, right? And all along, they've sort of been saying, well, we like... Uh, the 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 tax offset changes, you know, that instant sort of rebate. We like that. We like the stage one changes. Um, that's that's all gravy. But I, oh, these stage three ones, you know, this is going to cost the taxpayers ninety billion dollars. Uh, and about thirty billion of that will be money no longer being taxed from people earn that over one hundred eighty thousand dollars. That goes against everything that Labor stands for. Uh, so, we're going to try and get our amendments in. So, uh, Jim Chalmers, the man that I thought was deputy but is not, uh, he put in, he put forward two amendments. The first one would be that uh, the combined consolidated 45,000 to 200,000 bracket, uh, which is getting reduced to a flat 30%, that stays at 325 which is still drastically less than the 37% that upper bound used to be. That amendment was not accepted. Uh, Chalmers put forward another one, and this was to get rid of the third stage entirely, so that's the consolidation of that larger bracket, moving the 180000 up to 200000 uh, and moving all of the changes that would gradually affect the lower-income stuff sooner. So that would happen... Uh, straight away. So, his sort of logic there was, well, if it's good enough later, why isn't it good enough now? That also was not accepted, but faced with 
incredible defeat, we had one last tremendous act of defiant from that powerful Labor Party that we know and love uh, with a, an amendment proposed by none other than DJ Albo himself. I'm going to read Crab you the load. full text. Uh, yeah, sorry. Is that... Hmm? What'd you say? Uh, DJ Crablo, I think. No, I think it's DJ Albo. Um, so, uh, this is the full text of the amendment. I move as an amendment that the short title of the bill be amended to read Treasury Laws Amendment 2019 Tax Relief So Working Australians Keep More of Their Money But Not For A Really Long Time. Oh, uh, you got him. <laughs> Absolutely destroyed. And it's, it's, it's so weird. It's so weird that when they uh, got to the point of saying, yeah, we'll vote for your thing um, either way, but you should change it to a, a bill that says um, Treasury Laws Amendment, Labor Rules and the Liberal Party Sucks. <laughs> uh, and then we are voting they, for they it, They didn't, though. and they were like, oh, we'll vote for it anyway. Sorry. Sorry for holding it up. <laughs> sorry for <laughs> sorry for keeping everybody here late. So yeah, that's the the fun twist on the story uh, is they voted for it in both houses um, with no amendments to it. Uh, wahoo! I think we can all say, Yahoo! Ooh, it's going so like, well. Can't wait like for the Mario. next election. Now, this might be hard to fathom mm-hmm. why they would do this. Uh, so, I'm going to uh, let D. Madigan explain this. So, D. Madigan is not... Um, she's a, she's a, a head of a creative agency that does a lot of Labor's state and federal campaigning. Uh, so, she's not officially a part of the Labor Party, uh, but she certainly acts as a spokesperson for them on the internet. Uh, mm-hmm. And is a has played a big part in their sort of strategy stuff. So, I think she's she's in a good... Uh, a good position to explain this. On Friday, she tweeted the following. Number one, Labor did not have the numbers to split the bill. Number two, Labor's actions would have not have changed the result either way. But, then point three, had Labor not voted for it, the Libs would have run a scare campaign saying Labor refused to vote for tax cuts for low-income workers. All right, let's leave that there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then she tweeted something else yesterday. She was quite tweeting someone who said that that 255 bucks is peanuts to them. She was saying, those people who say these tax cuts are peanuts need to check their privilege. To a low-income worker whose wages have been stagnant for years, this makes a big difference. Labor promised to deliver tax cuts. They helped do that. Now, what I want you to do, I want you guys to do a fun little exercise. Mm-hmm. I want you to hold in your mind point two from her first tweet. Now, that goes like this. Labor's actions would not have changed the result either way. Now, let's look at her second tweet, the last two sentences of that. Labor promised to deliver tax cuts. They helped do that. This is, um, mm. this is great to me because <laughs> this, also, this also reminds me of like the, um, the delicious trying to have their cake and eat it too on the New Start review stuff. So, um, so again, just that additional context for non-Australian listeners um, the the new start welfare benefit is basically our like unemployment benefit um, which has not been raised beyond indexing in 25 years it is below what Australia considers to be the poverty line 
um, a lot of people, a lot of uh, activists, including uh, our friends of the show at the Australian Unemployed Workers Union, like uh, Jeremy Poxon, were pressing very hard to get Labor to commit to raising New Start immediately upon gaining office before the election. Um, they would not commit to doing that. Um, the best that they would offer was to say, we will commit to undertaking a review. Of it. We, we, we commit to thinking about considering the possibility of considering maybe... all these facts that we already have yep. right in front of us. We might think about them. We might, um, we might put, put them all out on a table in front of us and then stand there with one hand on our chin, you know? Mm. Um, so that when, when the Liberals got in and said, hey, we're not raising Newstart, go fuck yourself. Um, and people went, ah, fuck you, Liberals and Labor. Um, the, the Labor Party said, oh, but, you know, we said we were going to review it, but we didn't get elected, so it's your fault. It's your fault that this didn't happen. So, and why are you criticising us anyway? Why are you we're criti- nice. criticising us? Just making us know? sad. So, um, so the other day, um, who was it? Who was it from the Greens that that made a a motion to raise the new start allowance in the Senate? Um, oh, I can't remember her name. I can't recall oh, who it was. I'm so sorry. Someone, someone opened DuckDuckGo official search engine of the podcast. And find out. Um, but yes, so she she moved this motion in the Senate. It was voted down by the Liberals and the Labour Party together. Um, and again, this was this thing where, where they want to try and have this thing simultaneously of saying, we're not going to do anything to oppose this. Um, but also we want credit for the idea that you would have got what you wanted if you had if we had been voted into power, except that we also didn't commit to doing that, even if we got into power, it's kind of confusing. And it all comes back to this um, point number two from D Madigan's tweets here, uh, which was Labor's actions would not have changed the result either way. So, but they so they, yeah, the, well, if it's a thing you, if the part of the thing that you like, we helped with, and the part of the thing that you don't like isn't our fault. So it's just this wonderful, this wonderful way of somehow magically um, excusing yourself from any responsibility for things that you are actively voting in favor of in both of these cases, somehow saying we had nothing to do with this bill being passed, despite all of our MPs or all of our senators sitting on one side of the chamber and giving a big fuck you to, you know, Newstar recipients saying, ah, well, you know, not our fault that this thing went through, that we all uh, put our hand up and said, yes, please, uh, loudly, because that's how you vote for stuff in the chamber. They say all in favour. And everybody puts their hand up and goes, yes, please. Um, Yes, please. I'd like one bill. Thank you. One bill, please. Uh, um, I, I, <laughs> there's some kind of joke here about uh, how it sucks when you go to a place where they won't let you split the bill. They, yo, you know. Mm. But I'm not gonna. That, I'm not that gonna work that would have been good out. if it was a joke. Yeah, yeah but that, yeah, is it like a footnote for you to put one in in post? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you've got a, if you if you can put that into a joke format, write it down and send it to hey you guys at puntavista.com. And we might put it into the script for the revised extended edition of this episode. 
director's cut. <laughs> so, so again, all, all of this is just this this magical magical pudding that they are making in which nothing is their fault. Um, everything would be perfect if they had won an election in which they couldn't convince anyone to vote for them. I feel like we've got a lot of parallels. I know I've said this before, but I feel like we have a lot of parallels with um, the Democrats in the US and Labor here where they're, they're like theoretically meant to be the center-left party, but they're so scared of being attacked from the right on any of those issues like national security and the economy and all this kind of shit that they wind up just sort of agreeing with the right wing about everything so as to avoid conflict and then they get fucking pilloried for it anyway and the whole time they just yeah they just bleat about how it's your fault for not voting for them even though they constantly demonstrate we wouldn't have done anything differently anyway you have to be in power to keep doing the same shit Mm. and like it's already happened like straight away even after they voted for it in the lower house the first thing fucking smug fuck Josh Frydenberg said uh, he tweeted out after it passed in the lower house tonight our full package of tax cuts passed the house and now are on the wa- uh, and are now on the way to the Senate Labor's amendments were defeated as they continue to put obstacles in the way of tax cuts for millions of Australians so that's after they voted for it the government is still like Labor is the party yeah, so of like tax Labor they're always gonna like, it's, it's the strangest thing happens every time and it's like the, it's the same stuff with the climate stuff, right? Like between between this and and their comments of, of working with the government on the climate thing, it's just clear that the the thought of engaging both the coalition and the Rupert uh, Murdoch media um, in Australia over these things just terrifies them, right? That they are that they are so aware that um, they are so weak on the front of actually articulating their their points and benefits and and arguing them um, convincingly in the public sphere that they're ready to just give that all up, right? They're they're ready to just say, well, look, it's not something... We can't do this. It's not something we're able to do, so we're going to stop fighting. Yeah, we... we we're not willing to articulate an alternative viewpoint to this. And much like, again, much like the Democrats in the States, this whole constant thing of, well, we don't want to get wedged on this issue. So what we'll do is make ourselves a really small target. And all you wind up doing is alienating every voter from the, on the left who wanted a different option to the one the right wing is presenting. And everybody on the right wing wasn't going to fucking vote for you anyway. And and also like there there's this this ongoing thing that we've talked about before that labor um, and, and especially the the kind of labor um, fanatics on on social media and that sort of thing can't imagine somebody voting left of them right um, to say well look if you want material change you need to stop criticizing labor you need to be on board with labor and all that sort of stuff and previously what that has meant is that it's meant that hey you know look. It may not be exactly what you're going for here, but you can vote for Labour and know that it's the same option um, and that we will at least not, like, propose a bill to load up every New Start recipient into catapults and then fire them directly into the Antarctic Ocean. We're only going to fire them into the desert. 
That's that exactly way. right. And they can build their own community um, because they're all aspirational workers, uh, set up a jobs program. You know, we might make a submarine building program in the desert. There's a few details there to, to nut out, but we won't fire them into the ocean. But now they're saying, well, look, if we don't fire these into the ocean, they're just going to attack us about it at the next election. So, really, it's the same. It's the same option. And now there's no, like, but they we're going still to fire them into the ocean humanely. That's <laughs> and and this and now there's no, uh, you know, increasingly no differentiation between the between the parties. Why why should you vote for for Labor? Like, but the the kind of talking point continues that, um, you know, you shouldn't be criticizing Labor through this. Um, moment, and if you do, it's just hurting hurting their chances in the next next election when they should be or, strong enough to fight their own points and fight, yeah. uh, you know, convincingly in favour for what it is that they're doing instead of whatever it is that they're currently doing, which is absolutely um, inexplicable. Or, uh, I mean, the other. The other argument that these people make is, yeah, but when you when you criticise them for this, you're the reason that they lost the election. You're the reason they lost. And therefore, therefore, you know, and it's I know I keep making the same parallel, but it's it's again the same thing as people saying, oh, you know, anyone anyone who ever criticised Hillary Clinton, it's your fault that we have Donald Trump. Mm. It's not the Democrats' fault for failing to provide a candidate that is able to inspire anybody. It's not our fault for failing to, to provide any kind of like clear-cut policies that address the material needs of the population that you're actually speaking to. Instead, it's your fault for being critical of us. Um, whereas, yeah, just, just the entire thing with the fucking Labour Party now is this argument which makes me want to tear my fucking hair out which is the oh well they have to be in power in order you have to have power in order to do these things that you want except the problem is that they won't commit to doing any of the things that people want because they think that's what's stopping them from getting power and imagine so then the you get elected into power and what you're just going to turn around and do all these things that you specifically said you weren't going to do and that you didn't promise to anyone? Like, like, it's the sort of thing where even if that worked as a strategy to get you elected, it would still be fucking suicide, much like Tony Abbott. When Tony Abbott got elected, he ran his whole campaign saying, here's this massive laundry list of things I'm not going to touch and things I'm not going to do and things I'm not going to cut and all this sort of shit. And then he immediately set about doing it. And the outrage from the community was so wide that he got fucking destroyed. It, like, did, it wasn't enough to get Labour in, though. Imagine if Labour did the same thing in, in opposition, though, right? Like, imagine if that, uh, instead of just, just rolling over and doing whatever it is that they do now, like, these these tax cuts are, are gigantic, right? They're, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, $100 billion plus, right? They are absolutely tremendous and they should make people very very mad but people don't know what to be mad about and imagine they went out on morning tv shows right and they went on insiders and and you know wherever else they could they could get on and say the coalition is taking the 
the funding base away for the services that are vital to you as an Australian. They're taking the funding base away for the world-class hospital system that we have. Um, the your your mother's and your your grandmother's pension for the excellent public schools that we all enjoy for unemployed workers for students who are now you know having to pay more tax not less tax coming out of coming out of uni because they have to pay that the the hex debt back which will reduce the uh, impetus to go to uni in the first place, which will reduce our position in the world for um, you know being a, a leader in in research and in production, right? Like imagine they went out there and actually got mad about these things and went on TV and actually fought about this stuff instead of just being this incredibly passive thing and. I can't believe that that's not the lesson that they took away from Bill Shorten's leadership, right? That, like, what we should do is become more meek in the face of all this horse shit. Yeah, B- Bill Shorten, the most fucking milk toast, forgettable, bland, grey pile of porridge the in a suit. S- the skim milk of leaders. Yeah, we, we took a look at that and said, man, we got to tone it down. That guy, <laughs> that guy is too much of a fuck machine. He's making that's it. People, the women are distracted by this guy. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, why is there no argument being made out there of just they are fucking shredding the revenue base of this country. They are shredding our ability to provide these services to you. And I, I just... I just don't understand. And the idea that people aren't supposed to be critical of them is fucking absurd. And even even people like fucking Van Badham, who worked for them at the last election, even she is out there writing articles, like in The Guardian, saying, Labor's support for tax cuts is an unfathomable betrayal of principle. Um, you know, she's, she's saying, there's just a little chunk here, um, not fighting the tax cuts on a jobs message was a staggering squib. What is Labor's fear here? That the Liberals will smear it as high taxing? That News Corp will join in? These things that, as we've said, are constantly happening all the time anyway, no matter what they do. Even when they vote in favour of the tax cuts, they still get called, oh, the party of high taxes and the, the fucking, what's the, the thing they're always calling it? The, uh, the politics of envy? Is that the one? Mm-hmm. Oh, they love those, she, the politics of envy. You want more and you start because you envy millionaires. That's, hmm. that's it. Uh, she goes on to say, It's amazing that Labour politicians have not learned their parliamentary votes are immaterial. Their enemies mount the same attacks. They'll even make them up, as they have every election since Federation. Appeasing Liberal Party policy never negates their attack. It merely allows the Liberals to legislate their matters without criticism. The popular support Labour's new leader, Anthony Albanese, enjoyed long before he even gained the leadership was based on a reputation for fighting Tories. Those who yearned for a dog in the political brawl who would show more teeth than the conciliatory consensus politician Bill Shorten have just watched their political animal enter its first actual fight and roll over. What is the appeal of capitulation to any part of the electorate? Zealots at least have the um, confidence for their convictions. False converts, on the other hand, come across as craven. They come across as weak. If you've got fucking Van Badham at this point, who will go to 
any lengths to make something like this about the Greens instead of Labour. If you've got even her saying, what the fuck are you doing? You know something's gone extremely off the rails. It's a bad time, folks. Absolute dog shit areas. Right in to Labour. Right to your local representative. Right to, right to fucking any of them. Demand to go on Sunrise and get to <laughs> yell about it for 10 minutes. Tweet at Kochi and say, let me on there so I can fucking yell at Anthony Albanese. Just dismal stuff and incredibly poor showing from Anthony Albanese straight out of the gate. And really, this doesn't give me and I would think anybody else any confidence that he's going to go, whoa. Oh, that was weird. I was having a light coma there for the first month or two, but I'm back in it now. Hmm. I comically fell down a set of stairs. My head is swathed in bandages. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm unsure of my own name. I'm just stumbling foolishly about voting yes and amending (laughs) bill titles to ridiculous names. But I'm good now. I saw the doctor. He recommended that I fall down the same set of stairs a second time. (laughs) Uh, landing on my head in the same way, and that fixed me. So I'm back to back to fighting Tories. My goodness, my goodness. Well, I mean, just ridiculous. It's you know, it's. I think uh, I'm not sure if you were saying before at some point, Theo, that um, yeah, you have this whole thing now of ah, uh, what we'll do is stop saying that we need to take any form of like market-based action on climate change. Um, stop insisting that we raise taxes on the richest people in this country to pay for some sort of action. Um, And, of course, start making the very compelling argument that um, punishing refugees in the horrible way that we do was actually our idea, and you stole it. So, great looks. Great looks, everybody. Uh, Not exactly inspirational stuff. I guess, um, you know, probably at this point, the best that people can do is, is... you know, actually try and communicate with those local representatives and say, you are fucking this up very hard and I'm going to have to keep voting for the Greens until you are actually willing to differentiate yourself from the Liberal National Coalition in any significant way. Because you might think you're doing it right now and it's really not working. Really not working. Ben, what is this week's crime pass? Oh, this week, uh, your crime pass is actually fighting Tories. Uh, if you see someone and they look like a conservative, just beat them up. Hmm. Mild assault. Oh, mild. like, just don't mild. kill them. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, rough them up a little. Uh, just put a fear of God into them. <clears throat> good, good wedgie for a Tory. Now, that's what I call uh, wedging someone. <laughs> like oh, the, now there he is. A, oh, a political, a political wedge. We're going to call that. Goddamn. Just really frustrating stuff. Um, yeah, I'm sure that a lot of people were looking at it and thinking, hey, cool, maybe we'll get someone in who's actually like kind of left wing. But no. Um, I also think in the context of the Labour Party that Anthony Albanese is also like not particularly a union guy. Um, which means that he's going to be all about kissing that sweet business asshole. Mwah. Mm, in fact, we had a few extra pieces here. But, uh, we are we are all out of time. But um, 
we did have a few extra pieces here outlining um, Anthony Albanese doing some some nice dinners um, uh, from the Australian's Margin Call column. Anthony Albanese meets and greets the rich at NPC fundraiser. Blue chip corporates and Australia's richest are clearly taking Anthony Albanese's leadership of the Labor Party seriously. <coughs> On Wednesday night, Albo, fuck, I'll be happy when we get like just a a political leader with a, a normal name. She says, "No, my name's just just James." It's just so it's going to be a Miles, man, perhaps. is it? It's probably. Mm, that's an interesting yeah. take, Andrew. Hmm. Mm. Oh, why don't you tell us um, the inspiring female political figure that you think is going to be a, uh, a Prime Minister, Lucy? There's just so many slay queens <laughs> to choose from. I wouldn't know who to choose. Great save. That is mm. that's mm. spot on. Oh, I, just want, I just want this to absolutely not be the next election campaign between Albo and ScoMo, I will fucking shoot myself in the face, honestly. God damn. Uh, On Wednesday night, Albo and his chief of staff, Tim Gartrell, hosted a private dinner sponsored by Andy Penn's Telstra at the National Press Club in Australia. Marjorie Corkin revealed that around 20 paying corporates were along to discuss the new iteration of the federal ALP. It was a blue chip roll up, a good sign for Albo as he attempts to improve the party's relationship with the business community. Among those who forked up between three and a half and five thousand dollars to attend were government relations operations uh, from sorry government relations operatives from tech behemoth Google, the retail superannuation fund lobby, the Financial Services Council, a delegate from Stephen Conroy's online gaming lobby, responsible wagering Australia. Fuck you, Stephen Conroy. Fucking piece of shit. Macquarie Bank's government relations agent, Neveline Prasad, and her Telstra counterpart, Cecilia Bergman, a Rudd Gillard era labor advisor who was poached from Treasury. God damn, honestly. We mustn't overlook the richest attendee, Harold Mitchell, whose fortune was recently valued on the Stenchholt list at $350 million. It's interesting to see the Crown Resorts director flying his Bombardier Global Express to, a, to Canberra so early in the political cycle. The reviews from last night's attendees who spoke to Margin Call were favourable. We'd like to see an effective opposition, one told us. They had a good, positive approach, said another. Which means um, they took our money and said, yes, we will do the things that you want us to do. Very encouraging stuff there. That's what I call fighting Tories. There was a, a, that other article I chucked in there as well about their new plan to sew up to business where it's just got all these quotes from like the Business Council of Australia people being like, mm, yes, I think they're actually being more reasonable now where every single quote reads them being like, you know what? I love being sucked off and they're sucking me off. <laughs> <laughs> Those lips are wrapped firmly around this business dick. God damn it. So, yeah, this fucking sucks. Australian politics, folks, it eats a bag of shit. It sucks. And if you've ever eaten a bag of shit, you know it's not great. And if you haven't, you can probably guess. <laughs> Just smell the shit and then picture oh, what. Good lord. That's, what do you want to end on? Horrible. Mm. You have, have you got a good note for us to end on? Nope. Bye. <laughs> anyway, anybody else? Anybody else got a positive note? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a good positive sound, Lucy. 
Got nothing. It's beautiful. Theo, you extremely um, happy? Extremely happy about these developments? No, I saw some rosellas in the garden the other day. That's pretty oh, nice. That's nice. That is nice. Yeah, it's beautiful birds. Nice. Hmm. Are they crimson rosellas? No, they're they're like blue and yellow. Oh, hmm. I like a crimson one. Hmm. There it is, folks. As always, uh, you can get an extra bonus episode every week if you're into that kind of thing over on patreon.com forward slash Vista. $5 a month, $5 US dollars, because we're in the global economy. Five at a minimum. For much more, you can purchase our bath water. <laughs> purchase some gamer <laughs> girl bath water. Ironically, <laughs> eat an egg uh, for you mm. on camera. Uh, I'll do it. For basically any amount of money. Hmm. Yep. Uh, merchandise available. Bundavista.com slash merchandise. That's t-shirts, not bathwater. Just to We clarify. can put bathwater on there if people are into it. Here's the thing, though. You don't know which cast member's bathwater you're getting. I mean, statistically, <laughs> I've got to go out on a limb and say I by far take the most mm. baths. That's true. I believe that it. That is true. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us. Um, sorry. Sorry for getting so pissed off about the shitty state of our bullshit. Don't be sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. It's the one thing I'm not sorry about. I'm sorry about everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Bye. 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 <laughs> Such a sad <laughs> goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.